everyone. Thank you so much for joining the Behind Company Lions podcast. Today, we have Eric Huberman, CEO and founder of Hawk Media. Hawk Media is the fastest growing marketing consultancy agency in the United States. Eric, it's so exciting to have you on the show, not only because of your experience growing companies, scaling them, but also seeing how companies really gain this brand recognition, attention, and really connect with their customers, which is, I think, as Saunders, it's what we all try to do, but don't always do it successfully. So I'm interested to hear from your experience how that's done. But before we get into all that, what were you doing before you started Hawk Media? Built and sold two e-commerce companies. So jumped into those after I got into real estate one week before Lehman Brothers crashed in 2008 was a commercial real estate agent out of college. So time sounds a little too familiar right now. And so made 350 bucks that year, kind of scrambled, started working online on my own digital businesses, was able to build two companies, sell them, and then started advising for others on how and ended up building Hawk Media. It's incredible to think about, first of all, the time you're in, in that moment of time. And I just can't even imagine having to deal with the weight of having that, going into real estate and then starting two businesses. What was the catalyst for what kind of led you into the business that you ended up running? What did you see in the market at that time? And, and how did it lead to, or if there's any correlation, how did it lead to Hawk Media and where you are now? Yeah, it was just, you know, it was a function of like the, the tools that were out there and why hadn't anyone done this? So it, like the first company was a t-shirt subscription site called Swag of the Month. And I just was like, I hate shopping. So do most guys. E-commerce is a thing, but I don't want to go find t-shirts online. Like, can't someone just send me something that fits like what I like to wear and just ask me like, what's your style? Great. We'll send you something. Yeah. Like that seems so much nicer for most guys that just don't give a shit yeah. about the details. And so that's where we launched. It was easy to do a style quiz and we had PayPal as a subscription partner until we built out some other stuff, but you know, it was super early, but yeah, it turns out subscription e-commerce became a thing pretty quick. <laughs> yeah. That, just, yeah. Just setting like, why doesn't this exist? I wish it did. Well, I'll just build it. Yeah, yeah. And, and I feel like a lot of founders have that kind of idea or have that inspiration to a product, but not not all of them get off the ground. And it's for many different reasons, whether maybe they're not able to find product market fit or maybe that they weren't allowed or not able to get as many customers onboarded in a certain amount of time to continue the business. What have you seen for a company that are successful who come from, whether it's a product-led motion or coming from an idea and then going out and finding users and then building backwards? What are, what, what makes the, the ones that are successful, successful and, and what makes those who fail, what have you seen for the common readings? I think most companies fail generally because someone gives up, like just to be yeah. blunt, like there's almost always an option. I just watched this through the past year has been a really good highlight of like what companies <laughs> learn how to, how to navigate and what companies just bail. And so we, yeah. and sorry if there's some noise, I've got my six month old over here. So there might be a little bit of pterodactyl cries going out, but yeah, so it's a, we end up, I watched like a c companies that were underwater on the finance side, rework yeah. their debt, rework their investments and make it work. And other people, they just go, oh, we're out of business. We can't make this work. Like, yeah, it's, it's that, that's been the biggest learning I've had the past year is like, oh yeah, businesses don't just fail. Like, it's not just right. like one day there's a stamp that says failed and it's gone. Generally, it's the founder trying everything they can or just giving up. Yeah. And that's been the difference. And so that's why being passionate about what you do is a must because it yeah. is hard sometimes. And if you're not yeah. into it, fully into it, you're going to take the easy way out. You're going to just toss in, throw in the towel because yeah, it's not always roses and sunshine building a business. Yeah. Yeah. And thinking about in terms of gaining traction from the customer standpoint, or even just like when you want to turn on the marketing engine and, and it doesn't always happen initially, you, you get to the customers to adopt your product, you work through the kinks of it and build out your features. Then you have some kind of goal that you want to hit in terms of 
whether it's attracting clients or building a brand, what are some strategies for companies looking to actually turn on a marketing engine and get people interested in the product and build a brand? What kind of leads to that point? And what are some ways that as founders, we can identify which strategy we should deploy, whether it's social media marketing, LinkedIn, church ads, what have you? Yeah, it's basically, I, we so wrote a book called The Hawk Method, which usually I have sitting right here, but I don't have it right now. But the idea is we wrote the three principles of marketing that helped us grow over 3,000 3, brands, which honestly now is like 4,500. And it was, what we found is like the general thesis is there's three principles of marketing, awareness, nurturing, and trust. Think of it as three, three parts of a tripod. Yeah. Awareness is how to drive new awareness to your product or service, new potential customers to make them aware you exist. Nurturing is what do you do from the time that you create that awareness to the time they actually buy and then post-purchase to bring them back and create that lifetime value. Mm-hmm. And then trust, also known as brand, how do people trust they're going to get what they actually believe they're going to get when they buy from you? Initially, a lot of third-party validation helps that, PR and mm-hmm. endorsement deals. And eventually, you're consistent, you're well-known, and that's when people can just trust your brand. And so... When you're talking about how do you build out when you're launching a new product, it's always about figuring out like how you're going to introduce new people to it. Yeah. How are you going to then nurture that? Because there's something called a sales cycle. There's like the biggest thing people miss in marketing. Like from the first time people see your product or service to the time they buy, usually it takes a while, like yeah. weeks or months. And most people, like when I say that, it's like no shit. But then when you look at your marketing spend, everybody loves to say, well, I spent a thousand dollars today. How much did I make? Like <laughs> that's how this parts. Yeah. And so- nurturing, doing things like email marketing and SMS and creating great content and doing all these other things to engage that audience are critical to get them through that funnel. And then I keep them in that funnel once they buy something, having your merchandising set up so that they have other things they can buy or it's repeat purchases, super important to make money. And again, setting up that trust factor too. All these things working in conjunction have to happen because you're competing against other people that are doing it really well. And if you want to win, sorry, like capitalism is a competitive game. It's a transfer of wealth, not an creation. So- You've got to be able to win and beat the other people out there that people are spending money with. Yeah, yeah. And what are ways that you can see founders, whether it's like going in a, in a certain direction to build their brand, because even the branding pieces, it's so difficult. Who am I? How would people interact with my product? What are product stands for? A lot of a lot of companies try to go say, we're better than our competitor. Others try to build a standalone. Others build the same products. Is that all customer discovery? Is that seeing what's in the market? How, how can founders be better educated on what their brand needs to be? And in, 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 in an environment where attention is, is a valuable commodity. Yeah, totally. And a good question. I would say when it comes to developing your brand, think about what your brand. So take a step back. Purchase is something through aspiration. That's how people buy things. Yeah. It's, I mean, I don't mean that in a grandiose way. What I mean is like you might buy, you buy toilet paper because you're out of toilet paper. And like, yeah. we all know the reason why you buy toilet paper. But that's an aspiration. You're aspiring right. to not be someone that doesn't have any toilet paper. Like it's, <laughs> that's what I mean by aspiration. Right. So whatever your product or service is, what are people aspiring to achieve when they purchase your product? Understand that. And that's what your brand should stand for. Mm-hmm. So if you're creating a running shoe company, why do I buy running shoes? I want to be healthier. Maybe I want to be happier, healthier, whatever it is. I want to look better, figure out what those things are, and then create a brand around that's what we're, well, that's who we are. We're the good looking, happy, healthy company. And you can be us too if you buy our shoes. Yeah. That's the way of thinking about a brand is what is that aspiration? How can I be like you? And yeah. you can create. I love the aspirational piece. That's something that I haven't heard yet from from a lot of whether it's founders or people who run kind well, of agencies around marketing and, and media. Well, it's super important not to confuse your brand and your target mm. because mm. what people are aspiring to be is 
very different from who that aspiration is compelling to. So yeah. when I say running shoe company, you want to be happy, healthy, good looking, whatever, you create that as a brand. That doesn't mean that happy, healthy, good looking people are your customer. Right. It actually could be the opposite. It could be unhappy, unhealthy, ugly people are your customer. Yeah. 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 Find those people because they're the ones that want to be that. And that's why they're going to buy the run shoes. If I'm already happy, healthy, and good looking, well, then your running shoe is not going to, your brand isn't going to be compelling to me. I'm already there. Why do I need to buy your shoes? I already right. achieved that. Right. So that's uh, the target. Yeah, the tar the target. I can see the the, the little kind of the obvious thing, but it's the the this difference between the two kind of functions, like the aspiration and the target. Yeah. There's one thing that was really interesting to me that about Huck Media, and you kind of have this a la carte method. You, you I think the way the company structured is kind of a monthly service, and you continue to either utilize certain features and not. How does that work in a marketing marketing function in relation to what you said earlier, where you know? What's done in a marketing campaign isn't completed in a month and you don't see the results until maybe somewhere down the line. Is it a lot of experimenting? What's the what's the grand plan for a company to come into hot media, want to use the services, but you know, may not need everything or toggling through what they need and yeah. and then how do I measure my success? Great question. So basically like our whole methodology, so actually I keep doing this, but it's step back. We took the past eight years to build something called Hawk AI, which is basically we take 8,000 companies marketing data in real time that's growing every day and we digest it and we can, can now benchmark one company compared to their industry in real time across every media metric, marketing metric and revenue metric. So yeah. we can actually see where you're making your money, where you should be and et cetera, et cetera. So we run through that when we talk to a new company, it's all free. We run through that. We do an audit on their company and we go, oh, here are the four things you're underperforming on. We can take those over. If it ain't broke, don't fix it. Like yeah. if you're doing really well on Facebook ads, we're not going to take them because like then we're just going to take them over. We're not going to do a good job because you're already doing a good job. You're going to be yeah. pissed off. You switched and you're going to fire us. So instead, yeah. we're going to focus on things you're happy that we can actually do well with. And yeah. we're month to month and now at cart. So it's like we're going to pick exactly the things we can help with. We're going to jump on those and then we're going to ebb and flow as the needs change and be flexible with our clients. And that's really the nature of the business. Our mission yeah. is accessibility to great marketing. It's how can we be the best at what we do, but really easy to work with. Yeah. You mentioned the AI piece and it's, and it's one of many ways that a lot of industries are adapting and evolving into utilizing technology to better have strategy, work more efficiently. And what are some ways in terms of marketing as, as a as a collective industry in terms of what's being more effective? And, and, and it, I don't know if it's based on the brand. I don't know if it's based on where the attention is or what your user is. If I have a certain user demographic, maybe I'm on TikTok, maybe I'm on Instagram, maybe I'm on these other channels. What have you seen in terms of the evolution of marketing being that people are now seemingly way more aware of who they're, what they're buying, where they're digesting information and what the overall outcome is when they have a relationship with the company? Yeah. Okay. Great question, by the way. I've got to hand it to you. I, yeah. I do a lot of podcasts. This is fun. Um, I appreciate it. Yeah. On this one, I would say is it's, you're right. The consumer is a lot brighter these days. And like, we've all been burned by a stupid TikTok ad that was like some ch product out of China. Like I've seen yep. so many memes like this that it's like, I bought one. I bought the like floating island golf set yeah. where it was like <laughs> yeah. an island to put in your pool. And I was like, that's dope. And I bought it and it came. It's like a piece of like turf and there's like yeah. just a float. And I'm like, what the fuck is that? <laughs> yeah. We've all been there. And so what that means is it, you have to do everything right now. Like what was interesting is like when I start, I started Hawk almost 10 years ago. You could sneeze and run Facebook ads and make a bunch of money. Like, yeah. I, was, I still have like these uh, case studies from Facebook where like 
we were getting campaigns that were running 80x returns and 100x. It was like fucking crazy. It was yeah. fucking money. Now you can still do that. You can still make crazy money, but you got to do everything right. You have right. to do really well. You have to run the platforms right. You have to have everything else. When I talk about like these three pillars of marketing, yeah. you have to do it all to even be successful. If you don't, it's really hard to just stumble into success. So when I yeah. hear about people saying like, oh, e-commerce is too hard these days or e-commerce, that train is, or that ship has sailed. We can't know e-commerce isn't working. It's like, well, it's not working for idiots. Yeah, It's not working for people who are not savvy at this. But honestly, like, we still have 500 companies paying us without any contracts that are all doing really well online. Yeah, That's just us. So like, the, the e-commerce movement or the whole side of e-commerce is not, nothing's gone away. It's just, you have to be good. And all the yeah. people that weren't very good that just were riding the wave are not doing very well. But yeah. there's a lot of companies watching that. Yeah, it seems like even more so today, brand loyalty is in, 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 in kind of a surprising way is becoming extremely more valuable. And you are what you wear, you are what you consume. And, and it's for that experience exactly. If we have a great experience with something, the word of mouth, that contagiousness really begins to spread yeah. And you'll see a lot of companies who do the things right, becoming highly, highly successful, even with the most minimum products, the most minimum yep. value that they bring to customers. And it's around also another thing is, is like community and fostering community and building kind of a conversation around what your brand or your product is. And have yep. you been able to, or how have you deployed that if you have for, com for communities or, or for companies that you work with in fostering that part of the ecosystem, which is not just like, okay, we have the attention, now we're in the nurturing piece. How do we create a conversation around the products? What are some ways that you've done so successfully for companies? Yeah, honestly, it, what's, it's funny you say that because it really comes down to if it's a great product or service, it's easy. If it's not, it's impossible. Yeah. So you, you don't really have to force it. Like I think a lot of people assume that like the reason people are really rabid and having conversation around a product is because the company did something really brilliant. Right. Honestly, no one's that smart. It's usually because it's just a great product and yeah. they timed it right. <laughs> It, like this is happening right now. I, I don't want to blow them up too much, but I have a company that is literally the answer to the problem with SVB. Yeah. So I'm a advisor to it where they're a client of ours. Actually, no, I will plug them. They won't hate me for that. They'll love it. So treasure.tech. Yeah. They're treasury management. So basically, instead of having your cash in a savings account, they go and manage it and put into conservative investments. They get higher returns in a savings account, but they're also not holding your cash. So there's no run at the bank for them. Yeah. So it's yeah. like the answer for security around your cash. If you have cash sitting, which for venture companies, this is the problem, is if you raise $10 million, that money goes and sits in a bank account while you yeah. burn through it. And yeah. they're like, well, hey, you can give it to us. It'll earn 8%, which will extend your burn quite a bit. Yeah. And or whatever their percentages they can earn, they're not promising returns, but they're getting good returns. We can earn you money on it. And by the way, there's no run at our bank. We're just holding it on your behalf. So yeah. it'll come right back when you need it. And so oh, this is what I mean by like, Guess what happened yesterday or Monday? Yeah. Their business skyrocketed because they've been spending, this is after several years of building this business and getting the name out there. And then all of a sudden, everyone they had been talking to was like, oh shit, I get it now. Yeah. Here. Flooded. <laughs> and so what are people going to say? Look at that overnight success. But that founder, Sam, grind, like tried, raised money in 2022 when it was impossible. Like, oh, yeah. we went out of business. Like, I was scared about making payroll. All this shit you go through. And then finally that fucking thing hit and he took advantage of it yeah. and he was ready. And yeah. that's generally what happens. Like this building community, getting the name out there. It's like more about, it's like the rinse and repeat scalable piece of this is so much more important. And then when that time hits, right. being ready for the, what is it? Luck is opportunity, meaning preparation. So yep. You prepare, you prepare, you prepare, the opportunity pops up and you go for it. 
Yeah. And you execute. And, and that's a huge component to it, right? Exactly. Well, that's they, the thing. Like, in Vancouver, they know all this stuff, but like now they, they have to deliver. They have to manage that money well. They blah, blah, blah. But now they have the, all the opportunity to make a huge company. Yeah. It's so fascinating, the timing piece that you mentioned. And, and I was having a conversation around overnight successes and what that really meant. But there was a lot of previous work that happened before. And it's amazing to hear that that company's having success. Thinking about yeah. Hawk Media, obviously, you work with thousands of, of companies, help thousands of brands. What's next? What's next on the horizon? And, and what keeps you up at night? What, what are some of the biggest challenges that you see the company facing today? Yeah. So all the first part, we always say world marketing domination. Like we are expanding. We just, we haven't announced it yet, but we closed an acquisition that we're working on another Congrats. one. We're, we're buying up agencies where we are venture funds actually thankfully doing really well, even all through this. We have some incredible investments. We made like PostScript and Clavio and Tapcart and Faring, all these MarTech and Ecom tech yeah. companies that are awesome and skyrocketing. And so that's going really well. We've got our financing arm. We've got Clock AI, which is new. And we're really excited on what that can turn into. So these are all pieces that are a part of a bigger pie of the ideas, again, to really build out this promise of accessibility to great marketing, be the best at what we do, but easy to work with. We're now leveraging this platform we've built on how can we continue to be better and better and better yeah. than anyone else you could call. Because part of my goal is like, it should, like, there's no pity. Like, people ask where competitors are, and it's anyone that would do marketing instead of us, obviously. Yeah. But I want it to be like, you're going to work with someone else. Like, I want it to almost be like, really? Yeah. Why? The, why? Right. We're cost effective, and we're the best at what we do. There's no one else that can compete with us across the board. Like, it'd be, it's kind of ridiculous. And that's really what I continue to try to be build. And we, I'd say 99% there, honestly. There's still some yeah. other great agents. And so, yeah, I just want it to be more and more like now I look at like, what are the top agencies out there doing? Like more of our, sure. when I say competitive, funny enough, the top agencies out there are not the people we really compete with. I'm not in pitches with the other best agencies. Sure. Usually it's me or some bullshit agency that's overpromising. That's yeah. where we struggle. <laughs> but the other good agencies now, I'm like, those guys suck. If someone's going to make a decision to work with them, I can't really help them. But let's look at the really good ones. What are they doing that we're not and vice versa? So we can like accelerate and be better and better and better. So now we're almost competing with ourselves in that sense. Sure. Like this is where now, how do we now improve ourselves 20%? What are the things we're missing that we think we can do better? And how do we have this constant pursuit of perfection? Yeah. Though it's never available given the tools that come out. So the good example there is we launched Hawk AI waiting for something like ChatGPT to come up. Yeah. And now it's here. And we're like, perfect. Now we have all the data to teach a natural language processing AI tool how to how marketing works so we can actually have an automated marketing strategist. Yeah. Like we can have a market marketing assistant would be an understatement of it, but that an AI CMO is what we're trying to create. Now we actually can just about get there given our data and the tools that have been created. So those yeah. are the things that we're looking at. How do we continue to stay on top of that to continue to deliver on our promise of being the best? Yeah. And the second question there was, what are some of the biggest challenges that you face today? Yeah. In, in Good. Thank you for reminder. Yeah, it's so when you're at a, when you've spent a year and a half of the media and everybody's saying, cut, 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 slow down, slow down, slow down, the demand for marketing is lower. Yeah. And so I've not navigated a market like that. And it took me a few months to really understand what that looked like and what to do in these situations. Cause I just, I, I ran a business that grew massively every year for eight years. And yeah. all of a sudden you're, it's like, stop, everyone stop. Not me, <laughs> but everyone else, you gotta stop. And it's like, what do you mean stop? Why would yeah. you stop? We're all making, yeah. And it's amazing what fear does to people. Like I had to talk to someone on Monday that was like, hey, we need to hold off on marketing because we have to see how this bank stuff shakes out. Has The company has nothing to do with banking. It's a fashion company. Sure. And I'm like, do you, I'm like, who do you bank with? They're like JP Morgan. I'm like, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. what are you talking about? Yeah, yeah, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> We've had a few conversations in-house about in different, different people. It's like those who deposited and those who haven't, but are in... Uh, 
an adjacent industry are are one branch of people, and then everybody else is just kind of watching and seeing it all unfold from, from yes. the sideline. Right. I mean, even then Credit Suisse had their thing. Like it was First Republic Monday, then it was Credit Suisse today, and it went, and then everything's fine. Like it's like it's going to be volatile for a couple of weeks, and everyone's going to fucking not forget because it was the second largest bank failure in history. It's yeah. Like, no one's going to forget this, but it's like. I don't think it's going to be like, it's a signal that banks are going to have some issues. I think bank stocks being down is actually really reasonable. It's like, sure. yeah, they're getting squeaked on rate. Like we increased rates like crazy. It was obvious that bank yeah. and real estate, and I have a huge real estate portfolio, like both are going to get hit in this. It's yeah. Obvious. Who's directly affected by the increase in rates? Like that's, it's really simple. Yeah. Right. But once it shakes out, it'll be fine. But like it showed there is a little bit of weakness there, but there didn't necessitate a run at the bank. Like, SVB wasn't going anywhere. So anyways, that is these conversations have been the challenge because when people aren't bullish on the future, they're not going to invest heavy into it. Yeah. And so it's just been slower. That yeah. being said, when I say challenge, the business is more profitable than it's ever been because we got also very frugal. It's running well. We're reinvesting into Hawk AI heavily. We're, that's growing like crazy. So it's just like our growth has slowed, but everything else is fine. And yeah. so it's just it's more of a as a founder, it's a mental mountain to get over. I'm yeah. Like, but I like growth. I want to grow my shit. That's yeah. what's fun. <laughs> yeah. It's like, all right, all right, all right. We're going to go efficient. We're going to figure right. out what we're going to do. Period. But we better get back to fucking growth soon. And that, yeah. that I'd say is the challenge, honestly. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. And I know we're strapped for a little bit of a tighter episode here. So I want to get a couple of quick answer questions from you. Quick response from you. One, what's particularly hard about your job? I, and I hate to be dismissive, but I think it's important to understand is like for everyone else at a company, if they screw up or the company goes under, it means they have to go find another job, yeah. which sucks. Being unemployed is scary. Like, don't I don't want to dismiss that. But like, that's the that's what happens it, to the most senior, to a CEO of a company that's not the founder or the owner. Like, what happens if you screw up? You have to go get another job somehow. Right, right. So the founder, their world pet. Yeah. You know, like, it's everything. And yeah. it's hard to explain what that means, but it's like, your your entire soul is in your company when you that's what it takes to build one of these. Yeah. And failure of it is so much more meaningful that it's they say it's lonely at the top, but I, again, even I kind of dismiss that till it gets harder. And then you're like, wow, it, it it's interesting. Like that is the hard part is knowing that like this matters to all my employees. Like they're I have, my team's awesome. I love my team. But at the end of the day, if it, if I had to stop paying everybody. And we have to just keep working for a year because I've had to do that myself. Yeah. Very we're sticking around. Maybe so actually we're thinking about it. Maybe some would. Maybe some could. Some yeah. couldn't from yeah. a financial perspective. But like, but that's stuff that like the owner has to do. And so the the yeah. weight on the shoulders thing, if you ask what the hardest part on, it's more it's actually it's it's the weight, but it's almost knowing like it's on you. Yeah. There is no you don't get to go home at night. If there's a problem, you're fixing it. If this needs a push, like I, I've worked hard in the past year to keep things going than I ever have because that's what it takes. Right. Like, you know, there's, and there's no one else. Like, and don't get me wrong, there's a lot of people working hard at Oc Media, but it's like, they're going to do, they're going to push it as much as they can and then it stops. Right. For me, it's like, you don't get to check out. I have to just keep working to make it happen. Yeah. And that really is fun. It comes with a lot of benefits. It's the world's smallest violin here. I love being a business owner. But yeah, it, at times it's like, Jesus Christ, like I want to take a nap. <laughs> yeah. I got a call, I got to make. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. And Last question here is whether it's early in your career or now, what books or people have influenced you the most? No, I, it, funny enough, number one I'd say is easily my dad. He's an entrepreneur, was an entrepreneur too. And literally like eight years old, wanted to play electric guitar, said I want to be a rock star. He's like, well, you better get a fucking job. And like, <laughs> yeah. not, 
he, he definitely pushed me to be an entrepreneur and indirectly like yeah. educated me on money and numbers and like always was in the back of my head. And I just naturally gravitated towards that because of that. And it was always a great sounding board. So that's one. And that's an easy answer. Book. I always mention this book because it's not as well known in the entrepreneurial world. It's a music book. I, my first company I started after real estate, I didn't mention was a music company. And I wanted to learn about the industry. And this book had just come out from a Rolling Stone writer named Steve Knopper. It's called Appetite for Self-Destruction. And it's about the music industry's perpetual actions that continue to screw themselves over. Like yeah. when the CD came out, everyone being like, that's never going to work and not wanting to adopt it. When digital music came out and all the record labels just tried to sue and stop it. And now Apple owns the biggest digital music yeah. app on the Spotify. Like, why doesn't Universal Music own Apple or Spotify? Like, it's crazy. Yeah. And I was, and it just, it was such a great book as a young entrepreneur because it's in the back of my mind with my own business all the time. Like, what am I doing that I'm in, ignoring innovation Sure, end up letting innovation disrupt me, which is where my venture fund came from. It's where Hawkeye I came from are both like tools yeah. and AI that I think disrupt what we do. But yeah. why don't we own both of them? Yeah. So it's kind of, that was so impactful. So self, Appetite for Self-Destruction. Love that book. Amazing. Eric, last little bit is where can we find you? Where can we find Hawk Media? Give us your plugs, your websites, your LinkedIn, your Twitters. Let's hear it. Yeah, super simple for me. It's at or slash Eric Huberman on any of those, any social media channel. I'm easy to find. And then hawkmedia.com. You can also buy the book, The Hawk Method, Hawk AI, all those things, but it, really easy to find. We try to be visible. <laughs> Amazing. Eric, it's been such a pleasure chatting with you and learning about your experience, what you're working on at Hawk Media. And, and overall, I, it's such a pleasure having you on the show. I hope you enjoyed yourself and thank you for being on Buying Company Lens. Yeah, thanks for having me, man. We'll talk soon. Yeah. <laughs>